With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Crossover Daily, SI's daily NBA podcast. I'm your host, Rohan Nadkarni. Today on the show, we'll be discussing the Lakers' Game 4 win over the Nuggets. How sustainable is Los Angeles' current version of success? Is this team the junkiest one LeBron has ever been on? Also, are the Nuggets the spiritual successor to the Warriors? Joining you to break all of this down is the Light Years podcast, Samus Fendiari. Let's start the show. All right, joining us now on Crossover Daily is the host of the Light Years podcast on Blue Wire Podcast. You can also hear him on Warriors World Radio. Uh, you've probably seen his tweets. If you follow the NBA, I feel like he's one of the most compelling people to follow on there. Please welcome to the show, Sam Esfandiari. Sam, how's it going, my man? Uh, not not too bad, despite the fact we got some like vintage Dick Bavetta-style fishing down the <laughs> <laughs> Uh, of course, we're talking about uh, Nuggets-Lakers game four. The Lakers taking a 3-1 lead in the series. Uh, you know, we, we record these right after the games, and there's already been uh, some discussion about the refereeing. I, I don't think that's where we should focus. I, I, the calls are always going to kind of go back and forth, I, I think, during a playoff series. You know, Sam and I, we were, we were catching up right before we started recording this. As... As much as I try to poke holes in the Lakers, uh, tonight in the fourth, I, I thought we really saw what made them such an effective team, and it, it really was their defense and rebounding down the stretch. It was more of a grind game the whole way through. Like For stretches there, I was pretty convinced Jamal Murray is the best player in the NBA because he just couldn't <laughs> miss anything. But uh, beyond that, like I, I think the best way to describe the Lakers would be 
some version of resilience because they were just they weren't getting good offense. No one was really hitting outside shots for them other than KCP. LeBron looked gassed half the game. He wasn't really getting a lot of space on his jumpers and anything, but they were just, they were getting every rebound, particularly down the stretch and playing just enough defense. Uh, tell me if you agree with this. I think this is maybe the, the junkiest team LeBron has ever played for. And I don't mean that as an insult. Like I said, they are effective. They win games as much as I come on here after seemingly every single one of their wins and say, you know, this looked like a weakness. This looked like a vulnerability. They pull out these games, and I, I think that, you know, you call it resilience. They they have a weird – I don't even know if it's adaptability, but we have to win this way tonight. You know, in the fourth quarter, I really thought the Nuggets looked like they were about to go on a run. Then LeBron guards Jamal Murray. They, they junk up just enough Denver offensive possessions uh, before the Nuggets can really figure out what they want to do with that. Their offensive rebounding, I think really taking advantage of the fact that Denver's scrambling a lot on defense. Uh, the Lakers, Rondo, Anthony Davis all coming up with key offensive rebounds. There's just, it's almost disconcerting to watch because I don't think LeBron's ever played for a team like this one. I mean, I think you probably have to go back to the first Cleveland stint to find a team that's like defined by defense and unimaginative offense, like for a LeBron team. But that's kind of what they are. Like mm-hmm. I mean, stylistically, they're different because defense is different in 2020 than it was in 2009. But like, it is kind of a team that's defined by the fact that they're versatile on defense and not really versatile on offense. Like a lot of those, particularly the second half, it was a lot of LeBron isolation with three Denver defenders on him because they don't respect any of the shooters and just kind of like, well, the Lakers are going to crash the boards. Uh, and that's like their only form of offense. They weren't really, I, there was nothing imaginative. There was nothing like cool on that end. And then like, I mean, but on the flip side of it is like, what are you really going to do with Caruso, Danny Green, Kuzma? Um, it, like, it's not like, it's not like they have these options to do more creative stuff on offense than what they're doing. It's tough. I mean, it's in a way it's bleak sometimes the way their offense looks. I mean, they were closing with Markeith Morris and, and Rayshon Rondo for much of the fourth quarter. Like you said, what really can you do with those guys? And, and Rondo, to his credit, at least has been effective, which is really as much as players have broken out in the playoffs. That's almost the most surprising thing to me about this postseason is just how much more effective he's been than the last few years of his career. It is interesting because in the half court, the Lakers can get so little going. You pack the paint against them. Uh, Anthony Davis takes a lot of tough shots. Sometimes he starts hot like he did uh, tonight. Other times, you know, he's just taking a lot of contested mid-range shots. LeBron's jumper just looks so flat tonight. It's, you know, it's crazy because we come on here, and like I said, I've been doing this for a while now, but you worry about their half-court offense and and how sustainable their success is, and that's kind of what I want to get to here. When you see them play and you see them in the series like this, on one hand, it seems so obvious where they struggle. On the other hand, they have taken a 3-1 lead against a Denver team that I think is playing to its ceiling right now. I don't think Denver can play that much better than it's played. Oh, you, you don't think Jamal Murray can shoot better than like 65%? <laughs> right. <laughs> just flipping it up with either hand and it's just mag- a magnet. I mean, pulls it I mean we had people posting highlights of him and Michael Jordan <laughs> right. side, which generally... 
I mean, I, I, I was a big Jamal Murray fan before the bubble started, but I, I wasn't comparing it to Michael Jordan. So so how sustainable do you see the Lakers' current version of success? Because right now all it means is getting past either the Celtics uh, or the Heat. Uh, they look likely to pass against the Nuggets. Uh, we've been idiots for saying that throughout these playoffs so far. They do think the Lakers are a little different than the Clippers and the Jazz. How sustainable do you see the Lakers' success? I mean, they've certainly made it this far and were really good during the regular season. Do you see them kind of hitting a wall at some point? Or is this, does this so, look so like we're, a- we're moving to the finals here. So, I mean, it looks <laughs> like, it does look like we're going to get the, uh, uh, the Spo revenge series. <laughs> I, don't call it that. I don't know. Um, I think it's going to be an ugly matchup. Like mm-hmm. I, I will enjoy it um, because they'll play with really high intensity because it's the NBA finals. And like, it'll only be ugly because the defense is better than the offense. But just looking at Miami and the Lakers, I see two teams who are just significantly better on defense than they are on offense at this point. Like Miami um, are very dependent on a rookie to be like a shot creator and outside shooter. And then like, you know, uh, Duncan Robinson is as, as a spacing guy who, uh, I mean, undrafted from D three, right? Like, I yeah. mean, the, the point is that, it, you know, it's, it's not Steph Curry and Clay Thompson we're talking about. And then, <laughs> um, on the Lakers side, I mean, we touched on it earlier. It's like LeBron and AD are amazing, but beyond those two, it's, it's a bunch of guys who you wouldn't really define as shot creators or shooters or just, I mean, their, their calling card is kind of intelligent, versatile defense, I guess is the best way to put it. And that's kind of how I would define both teams. So it just, it kind of, I think it's going to end up being kind of a, a real grind of a matchup. It'll have its moments, but like if we thought the last two games, like the Laker Denver game tonight and the Miami Boston game the night before were kind of grinds, I think that's what we're in for the rest of the way. Well, I do want to talk about the Nuggets as much as I've been shoveling dirt on them for the majority of this podcast so far and getting ahead and talking about a potential finals matchup. Sam, a big reason why I wanted to have you on during this series, because I think you're probably the person most qualified to answer this question. And I've seen people touch on this a little bit so far. Do you see the Nuggets as a spiritual successor to the Warriors? I mean, granted, the Warriors run, I think, is far from over. And and that's something I think we'll be talking about a lot this offseason. But the way they play basketball, the way their team has been built, I don't think it's going to be a paradigm shift in the NBA. I, I Obviously, the, the teams like the Clippers and the Lakers of the world are still going to be chasing superstars, but it's refreshing. Throw the Warriors to, into that. They've gone away from being right, organic to just being thirsty forever. Right, that's true. Uh, they've, they've entered free uh, agency Photoshop Twitter, just like the rest <laughs> of us. Uh, how do you feel about just the way this Nuggets team is built? Do you see them at all kind of affecting maybe the way some teams can look at the way they're trying to build title contenders over the next couple of years. Yeah. So like there's, there's a few similarities um, beyond just the basketball stylistic one. Mm-hmm. One uh, is anyone on Denver, a top five pick like Jokic, obviously famously, what was he? 40th. So someone right, in the yeah. second round, right. Um, but Jamal Murray was the seventh pick overall. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah. Him and Gary yeah. Harris were both mid lottery not, yeah, you know, which yeah. is like, I mean, Steph was the seventh pick. Clay was the 11th pick. Those are good picks, but they're not, you know, if you look through contenders, typically they're defined by players 
picked one or two in the draft. You know, LeBron James, Kevin Durant. Um, uh, you can keep going down the, the mm-hmm. list. It's just kind of usually you do not find a superstar at seven or eleven or stuff like that. So that there's hitting on picks that are not necessarily like high premium picks, right? Like mm-hmm. the the usual return for like seven to ten is usually like a player like. And I don't know why he's popping in my mind, but like Luol Deng, you know, a very <laughs> solid Luol Deng, right? Who made Luol like Deng. a couple All Star games. Yeah. You, you'd love to have him on your team, but you're not like, you know, you're, you're not talking about how like Luol is going to leave the parade down, <laughs> right, 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 right? So something right, like that. Right. <laughs> um, so, so that's the first thing. The, the second thing that, yeah, I mean, at this point. Um, I, I don't think uh, Steph was as hard to build around as Jokic, mm-hmm. but until the Warriors won, there was massive skepticism on how you can build around a a guard whose calling card is shooting it from tw- right. beyond 25 feet. And then the Warriors just kind of found the perfect confluence of wings and versatility around him to take advantage of what was clearly a game-changing uh, skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of view Jokic in the same way where like most people, like no matter how amazing he plays and he's been amazing uh, in all his playoffs, to be honest. Yeah. He's... Uh, like last year, he last year he played like 80 minutes in one game or something yeah. ridiculous. Like that. <laughs> right, like, the, the Femi's you, triple overtime game. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you wouldn't expect him to kind of, you know, everyone always focuses on the fact that he's slow and he's going to get exposed and pick and rolls instead of looking at the fact that he's like one of the three or four most creative players in the NBA, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you do to him on offense because he will inevitably counter it. It may take him a game like game one, the Lakers length kind of overwhelmed him. He was in foul trouble and then he kind of settled into it. And it's like, I mean, they lost game three, game two, sorry. Uh, But like, he had an ISO matchup with AD who I can't think of a better defender on him. It doesn't truly. Yeah. True. Yeah. So it's like, he's, he's one of those players where it's easier. Like your mind always focuses on what he can't do instead of what he can do. I would have actually described Dirk the same way. Yeah. Um, And so from that similarity, I think there is a similarity at the Warriors because it's like, you have this guy who clearly is a unique creative force albeit I don't know that Steph and Jokic could be more opposite in terms of just like their skill set and everything they do. But like, it is that thing where you're kind of like, you're waiting to see if Denver can figure out those perfect ancillary pieces around what I think is a really good core. Like Jeremy Grant seems like one player who fits the mold for what you'd want to fit. Paul Millsap in theory, but he's 35 now. Like yeah. maybe they, they need to find like the 28 year old Millsap. Yeah, Millsap I think is a backup center at, at this point in his career, right. and I'm, I'm think I'm glad. That I get Pop, the idea of what they were going for yes. there, but, but I mean he made a, a he made a, a perfect it. sense when they signed him. You know, it, it is. I think you bring up a great point. It is going to come down to how they build around him. And watching the series, I, I think what they really need. They basically need a second version of Jeremy Grant, which is obviously a lot easier said than done. Because I think what they're really lacking is someone with. This is going to sound weird. They need someone who's thick. Like they need someone with right. three C's who can kind of go up against the LeBrons of the world or even right. the Kawhis of the world. Basically, to an a, young, a younger version of Millsap. 
Yes, exactly. Or, exactly. or Draymond Green was for, for, for the Warriors. Exactly. Like, I mean, there is an alternate Guard reality. positions, right. Go ahead. Go there, ahead. there is an alternate reality for the Warriors where Draymond never exists, and they're just a very good team that mm-hmm. gets to the second or third round and kind of has a Steve Nash, Phoenix Suns reality where you're like, I really like these guys, but they don't have enough defense around them. They don't have enough x y or z around them so i mean i don't want to say the warriors got lucky with draymond but like he really was kind of that perfect piece to tie together what they clearly had which was a special backcourt there and in denver's case like Jokic is a special player uh very creative and just kind of i I just i just don't even know who you compare him to really right like it's true yeah I, i i saw zach Lowe throwing out dirk and i obviously get that comparison just in terms of the big who can kind of control an offense, but he really is right. just, he's a, he's an evolution. He's going to be the guy people are compared to 10, 15 years from now when people start copying his game. You know what I mean? I really think he is right. Uh, the first of his kind. Um, I want to hop back to the Lakers just for a second. Obviously they did win the game. And I think that most of us would agree. They are the favorites to win the title at this point. And I do want to get into some, you know, talk just in case, you know, they do finish this series out over the weekend and maybe we don't get a chance to address this on this podcast. I I don't want to drag you into a, let's talk about LeBron's legacy conversation, but what do you, what do you make of the, (laughs) I mean, it's just funny to me because I don't want to, I don't want to dump on Kawhi. I think the Clippers got dumped on enough, but Kawhi was kind of getting heralded as this person who has a chance to win three finals with three different teams is kind of the best guy. And I think that Kawhi has some more holes in his playoff resume than people realize. I mean, you, his first Finals MVP, he was a role player. Yeah, he and Tim Duncan, I think, was the better player on that team. Don't get me started on last year's Finals. You know all too well. I think the Warriors <laughs> win that series if Clay's healthy. I have told several people that. I told Boogie Cousins that. Um, but what do you make of the fact that it doesn't – They're all, this seems to be the least – like drama or stakes ever attached to a LeBron playoff run. And do you, do you sense that? Cause it almost feels like, yeah, I don't know, all, I mean, all the other ones had a little more excitement going with them. The bubble in general is just weird. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how to take it. Like on the one hand, it's just not the regular playoffs for sure. On the other hand, it's harder in a lot of ways. Like mm-hmm. we, we talked about this, probably before we started recording. I can't quite remember. Uh, But we were discussing the fact that like playing every other day probably hurts LeBron more than it hurts Jamal Murray. Because LeBron is 35. He's going to turn 36 this year. And Jamal Murray is like 23. And Jamal Murray could probably play, you know, 48 minutes tomorrow. Right? LeBron's LeBron's probably going to go get like 24 hours of round the clock treatment. right he's gonna have those big huge padding things around yeah. his knees and I mean, yeah all kinds of be stuff. ice just yeah. ice everywhere heat pads i don't know whatever it may take but like and that's just the reality of aging and he's really hurt by the fact that like i mean in the normal playoffs he'd get you know when they when they travel you get an extra day so that's right. a two-day layoff that sort of stuff um so from that standpoint you know it is a little harder for him but I just think people are having a hard time dealing with the fact that also the NBA is going on in September and we're going to crown an NBA champion 
sometime around Halloween. And, you know, like for, for all we know, like LeBron will be showing up to game six of the finals in like a Phantom of the Opera costume because it's <laughs> Halloween. Like that's a, that's like the type of like weirdness we're talking about here. Like, I mean, I don't need to explain to everyone, you know, COVID and kind of, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, it's just different. And, right. I, and I think some of that, like, I th- let, let me put it this way. If the Lakers win it all and LeBron gets to say, I want a title with three separate teams, the, uh, the year long media tour, uh, <laughs> with all his, um, uh, what was the best way to put it? Um, you know, his, his, uh, his media friends or whatever <laughs> you want to call it, will be, will be great. And, you know, it'll be talked up. Like in some ways I feel like even the 2016 finals, like in the moment it was like, wow, that was impressive. And then like the next year as everyone was right. on it, it got bigger and bigger and like, <laughs> And it makes sense for a player who's as accomplished as him and undisputed top like five of all time, probably top two to three of all time. Like, I mean, when you're talking about anyone of that caliber, it's literally just subjective when you get up to right, that. Right, right. But it's like, no one's going to, no one's going to, you know, dispute the fact he's the best player of this era and one of the greatest of all time. So it'll just build on itself. It also, that 2016 title got a little extra talked up, I think, because they knew what was awaiting them. In, in yeah, the next I mean, I mean Katie signing to, with the Warriors yeah. in many ways like helped build the legacy of the 16 <laughs> right. finals. But like, you know what? It, it is what it is. It is what it is. So you bring up KD, we bring up the 16 finals. I'd be remiss if I didn't get at least one Warriors question in with you. So I just want to end on this because there's been now some talk lately about when next season should start. Um, it, it's looking like sometime, I think, January or February. I still think that might be optimistic they want fans in the stands at the same time i watched a football game tonight where there were fans in the stands i I wonder if the nba almost regrets coming back so soon and seeing all these other sports just being like ah whatever i guess we'll put fans in there can can, can i throw one take out there i think it's weirder when there's only one sixth of a stadium full like it's better with no fans agree than than like subjecting the nation to agree oakland a's baseball which is my favorite baseball team but it's like (laughs) I mean, objectively, A's games are about one sixth. <laughs> I'm a Marlins fan, so I know how you feel. There we go. Yeah. At least you can blame it on the humidity. Yeah, that's true, man. Those games were humid. Yeah, the the fan stuff is weird. But I, so I want to ask when you when you survey the current landscape of the West. I mean, we kind of saw it play out this year, right? It does look like there is a definitive top two point five ish. I still think the Clippers are going to be in the mix next year. Uh, the Nuggets, obviously, and the Lakers. Where do the Warriors fit into that group with you from how you've kind of observed this postseason playoff? So I think they can win the West, but it depends what they do in the margins. Like I'm watching all these teams play and my gut take is a healthy Steph, Clay, and Draymond as a core is good enough to be the core of a team who could win a title, right? Like Mm -hmm. I haven't seen anything that makes me think that isn't true still assuming health and you know all the all the other circumstances but i'm gonna ask you right now name the rest of the warriors roster i i'm i'm obviously entrenched in it i can name every player there i (laughs) guarantee you can't well i know that you've tweeted about small jick uh several times smile smile heach there we go we got eric pascal i liked him by the way i i kind of hope he's a solid little player yeah, yeah i kind of hope he has a role we have wiggins 
Um, I think I think that's about reaching my my knowledge. And, and that's and and that's kind of my point. In my defense, it's been about seven months since I've watched a Warriors game. Yeah, and and yeah. honestly, um, I applaud you for watching them seven months ago because <laughs> no one should have watched them after Steph broke his hand. But uh, what what I was getting at is Glenn like, Robinson's still there. Uh, they traded him to Philly. Okay, they might get him back. that's right. They, they did trade him to Philly. They did trade him to Philly. So, so all I'm getting at here is it's a very unfinished roster, and if they put the right combination of size and athleticism around that core, because as I look at them, I'm like, well, there's no real center. I mean, I I love me some some Kayvon Looney, but he has not proven uh, physically durable. At this Millsap point. Millsap as their center, I've seen people float that out, and I'm into it. I mean, he does fit the way they like to play. I think people who float that out there think it's 2017, and that's the most. <laughs> He'd have to be a backup. He'd have to be a backup. Yeah, he could, he could help. Yeah. But like, but like my my my, my overarching point is, I want to see what they do in the margins because uh, they can win the, they can win with the core they have. But right now, you you can't name a player past like the sixth player on the roster right now. And you know what? I don't know that they have more than six guys with guaranteed yeah. contracts. So. Well, what they end up doing with Wiggins and that second pick is going to be really interesting. Sam, thank you so much for taking the time to join us, man. Uh, We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 